Hello everyone, welcome to Ubi Est Mia. My name is Brandon Weatherby. This episode is with Harold Moore. Harold is a former Chicagoan, current resident of Washington, D.C. Harold works for Blue State Digital, so we talk a lot about politics, uh, politics in D.C. versus Chicago, working on campaign trails versus working in the nation's capital, growing up in Austin, and much more. How was your day? It's been good. What'd you do? Um, I went to work. Um, I had a performance review. Uh, we had a, a party for resellers of our software. Um, I went home and uh, read a little bit, and then I came here. What'd you read? Um, there's some long-form stuff on Uber, uh, and there's a really interesting art- article in the National Journal about uh, what happens after Jesse, uh, Big Jesse, Jesse Jackson dies or moves on or does whatever. What's your actual job? Like, what's your title? Um, so I'm an account manager for technology at uh, Blue State Digital. And what does Blue State Digital do? Uh, Blue State Digital is a very large marketing firm and uh, software company. So we provide uh, digital services and uh, software to uh, some of the largest campaigns and nonprofits in the world. So uh, we were uh, the um, the firm that built uh, MyBarackObama.com. Uh, we were Labor's uh, digital provider. So we built all of their website and all their stuff. Um, we work with groups like the United Way and Starbucks and, um, is it fair to say that mostly liberal? Yes. All liberal. Uh, considering the name of the company. Yes. 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 Uh, our, our, one of our, our, our bends is that we, we work with uh, largely progressive companies and, and causes. That's kind of why you're out here. Yeah. What, what, well, you're from Chicago. That's true. Well, where'd you grow up? Uh, I grew up in Austin. So I grew up, uh, at about North and Cicero. Okay. And how long were you there? So I lived in Chicago um, my whole life up until I was about 26. I lived in Austin until I was about maybe 19. And then I started living wherever you live when you're in your early 20s. So bouncing into, you know, various flop houses across the city. <laughs> well, you shouldn't say flop houses specific. There are <laughs> flop houses. You do not technically live in a flop house. No, no, no. Uh, various DIY spaces, uh, studio apartments, uh, places where my meager uh, salary at that time could, could support me. How often do you think about moving back simply because you could afford to live in like a four bedroom apartment for what you're probably paying for a studio in uh, D.C.? Uh, very, very often. I've been thinking about it a lot. I, I look at Redfin all the time and just dream about things. Um, I, I was looking at Craigslist the other day, and for what I'm paying right now, I could get a three bedroom in Pilsen in the good part of in the fun part of Pilsen um, that had you know hardwood floors and exposed brick, and is, would be every every sort of apartment dream. Yeah, you have to go home to your DC apartment after this. Yeah, uh, I, I live in a, a, a basement underneath uh, three young men who I uh, just graduated from Middlebury. Uh, they play acoustic guitar at all hours of day and night, <laughs> um, and it is it is it, it's something else. All right, so from zero to eighteen, nineteen, you were in Austin, and then from twenty ish to twenty six, you were throughout Chicago. Yes, and now you're in Washington DC. Yes, why did you move out here? 
Uh, so my background's in political campaigns and elections. So I was running uh, political campaigns uh, for congressional candidates, for city council candidates and others. Uh, I was one, running a particular race out in the suburbs of Chicago for our candidate for uh, U.S. Congress. Uh, we had won our primary. I decided that I, I just did not want to work with her anymore. I said, you know, you've got three weeks to find somebody to replace me, but I'm out of here. I'm going to go just hang out for the summer. And um, one of my vendors from that race called me and said, hey, you've done a really good job. This person's been very difficult. Do you want to move to D.C. and write messaging for the, the AFL-CIO, for the, the large labor union? And I said, yeah, sure. And about two weeks later, I moved here. Uh, when you say you, you're one of your vendors, like what does that mean in the world of politics? So um, uh, political campaigns take up a lot of space. So they encompass fundraising and uh, some marketing. So you've got to send mailers and you've got to – uh, put up websites and you've got to, you know, have people who knock doors and things like that. And, and, and this vendor in particular was the person who created and designed all of our mail. Okay. So, um, this person flew out to take pictures of the candidate, to take pictures of the, the district, to create a narrative, uh, that we would then send to, uh, to voters. Okay. Yeah. So they knew somebody that was like currently in office in DC? Yes, they knew someone who who worked at the AFL CIO who had been looking for someone uh, to to uh, help them put together uh, their their member communication uh, uh, program for the 2012 election. And so you've been here since like one election cycle ago, so a little over three years. Yep, that's right. That's right. Are you regretful? <laughs> Um, no. So DC has been really good to me in a lot of ways. Um, I, I think that the quality of my work has improved. I, I think that I have a ton more confidence in my abilities and, uh, just, uh, uh, uh a bit, uh, less, uh, confidence in the abilities of others. Um, you have less confidence <laughs> of the abilities of others since you left Chicago. Um, I, I think that, uh, I, I phrased that poorly, but I, I think that, uh, moving to DC demystified some of um, some of these these big names that you see and some of these big accomplishments that that happen, and you recognize that some things are are obviously the result of very hard work, and some things are are very much the result of uh, just being in the right place at the right time, or just having the right resources to do the things that you need to do. Well, you said something that's some, like a lot of people echo: right place, right time. Yeah. Is this always the right? place it seems like it kind of is if 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 you're in the world of politics like you are don't you kind of sort of have to be in washington dc or is it possible to do your job in chicago and thrive um it's certainly possible to do your uh, do my job in chicago and thrive um i i think that the the work is in the cities the work is in the states um the the further along that you get into national uh level politics and civics the more you realize how much cool stuff is happening that you just can't touch from dc like um, the Black Lives Matter movement is has nothing to do with Washington D.C. Uh, they do get some funding from some of the big foundations here and some of the big uh, groups here, but uh, all of that stuff is happening completely on another track from everything that's happening in Washington D.C. Uh, as well, if you look at say labor, um, the work that you would do working for the National AFL-CIO here is very different from the work that I had done working for, say, SEIU in Chicago, where I was organizing um, security guards to give money for political action. So it's a lot different to be asking, you know, 20 security guards a day for a $5 contribution and then to come to D.C. and have your office overlooking the White House and, and only be working with other D.C. people, if that makes any sense. It, there's, a, there's a bit of a, a disconnect there. 
obviously it sounds like there's a disconnect. It sounds like a two completely jobs with similar titles. Yeah, um, so there, there's just a lot of space between them. Um, uh, to, to answer the, the big question, though, I, I think that change can happen anywhere. I, I think that there's really great work happening everywhere. I think, though, um, if you can if you can swing a trip to DC and you work in this industry, you should probably take you know take a little time and and do it. You should probably. I think it's like going to LA if you're an actor. You should probably go spend a a year out there and see you know what's what. But you know you you don't absolutely have to be here in order to be successful at the work. You said that a lot of this stuff has been sort of demystified for you. Yeah. Uh, do you have any specific examples? Be it people, causes, organizations, etc. So I, I I always thought that um, the way that people some people got to work inside of the White House was because they were the absolute bro- most brilliant people that 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 existed in the space at the time, or that they you know they were such virile champions of of their cause or of their their nation and, and this work. Uh, and and I, I, I'm learning that some of it is just a decidedly political process where. If you knew the right guy who knew the right guy and you were available at the right time, you could certainly you can get a, a boost into into a White House appointment pr- fairly easily. Um, that's not to say that the game's rigged and that no one can win and that, you know, I, I'm, I'm cynical, but not that cynical. But um, I so when when I, I worked for the Obama campaign in 2008 and um, we had a an office manager in uh, St. Louis who was just awful, just just terrible, terrible worker. Could not get us our paychecks on time, which is like the bare minimum of what she needed to do. Uh, which is why I'm not sad about like saying she was awful. Uh, but I um, I worked for Obama. I I, I found myself looking at uh, Wonkette in 2009 and seeing her on the front page as about to exit the White House because she had been working in the White House since uh, the president was elected. And I I wondered to myself, how could that sort of thing possibly happen? And it turned out she was like the daughter of a donor. So some stereotypes are true. Yeah, some of those things are true. Now, you seem to always know everyone in the room or most people in the room whenever we've gone to different rooms, be it this city or Chicago. Mm -hmm. How do you meet the right guy? Do you just, or is that just like an open-ended like BS question? Where it's like, how do you be nice? Like, is that really <laughs> all I'm asking? Because is it is that all it is, or do you have to actually have any expertise, or is it simply just like making eye contact, it, being interested, or at least feigning interest, and that's it? <laughs> I, I have a friend who uh, he is a fundraiser, so his job is to go and 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 shake down people for money for for campaigns and causes, and he's really really good at it. And uh, he calls me infrequently, probably once every couple of months, and asks me if I have someone for him for work. And um, sometimes I can uh, I can throw a name to him, and he'll hire that person. Sometimes not. But um, I was talking to him one time, and he he said, "Look, most people in this town are going to be some level of about the same level of skill. Like people are going to be very good students, or very smart, or very gifted. But what he wanted more than anything else was someone he could be a buddy with, which was a very strange thing to hear." Uh, because it, again, it, it was a, it was a, it was really interesting to hear that he wasn't looking for someone who was going to revolutionize his work or someone who was going to give 115% or anything like that. He just wanted someone he could chuckle with while he did these, you know, sometimes grueling processes. One of the things that you started to do once you came to this city is play rugby. 
Yeah. And you're currently on a rugby team. When you came here tonight, you're wearing a winter cap, and it's, a, it's your rugby team's cap. Yeah. You didn't have that in Chicago. You didn't seem to need that in Chicago. You had a lot more friends. There. I'm not saying you don't have friends here, but yeah. considering new city, it's a new sport. Do you kind of have to be buddies with everybody if you're on a rugby team, or just naturally you become buddies with everybody on a rugby team? Who have you met from your rugby experience here that's like shaped DC for you? The, the reason I joined the rugby team was because uh, rugby for me was a release. Uh, whereas in Chicago, I had DIY spaces. I had, you know, I had my family. I, I felt very comfortable being in my own skin in Chicago and not sort of uh, being having my identity so t- well tied to, to my work. Um, I didn't quite have that here in D.C. You know, everyone that I, I, I knew when I came was somewhat political or somewhat political related. Uh, joining the rugby team gave me a family where if you just wanted to go and have a couple beers and just talk about nothing for a while, it was really good to do that. And you you got to meet a, a bunch of people who uh, we've got on our club. We're the largest club in the country. We have a, a few doctors. We've got, you know, people who are spokespeople for senators. We've got people who are data nerds. We've got all sorts of folk, but we don't talk about work. No one's asking to get hooked up. No one's asking for anything like that. It's just a mutual love of the sport and, and, and of the brotherhood of the sport. Um, the, 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 I, the, off the top of my head, the, the person who most shaped DC for me was uh, Jeff Wetzel. Uh, Jeff is, um, he's a teacher who uh, teaches robotics to inner city youth here in DC, takes his, uh, his students on uh, tours to go and compete uh, with robot building competitions. He's a former EMT. He's a biker. You know, he owns a home out in uh, the the far end of the city in northeast uh, on like Rhode Island and thirty something. And so, like at the far end of the city, um, he what he embodies for me is uh, he he sort of like just lives DC to the absolute fullest. He he owns the city or, or claims a bit of ownership over it in a place where everyone else is sort of on their way out the door or on their way out to the suburbs or on their way, you know, anywhere but here. Uh, so he'd be the first person that I think of from my club who uh, who really embodied D.C. for me and, like, really made D.C. look like a place where people live. Yeah, sure. That sounds awesome. But you, somewhat, me, somewhat too, still won't claim ownership of this city. Why? Why can't either of us be like, we're proud D.C. residents, but we always seem to talk about Chicago and going back or visiting way too much to be healthy? <laughs> why Why are we doing this, in your opinion? I, I think there's a, there's a bit of a, a feedback loop where people come here to stay for three years, and so because your friends leave every three years, you, you start your countdown clock anew every time one of your, your favorite people leaves. Um, I, I think the city is also just changing incredibly rapidly. And so it's very difficult to have a really good sense of what old DC looked like. Whereas I know what old Chicago looked like. I know what old Austin or what the old West side looked like. I, I know that gentrification is creeping towards my neighborhood now, but I, I, I still feel very connected to what's going on in Chicago. Whereas, um, Anytime I get into a car in D.C., if I drive anywhere out of, say, Northwest, they say, you know, 10 years ago, this place was a big smoking hole in the ground. And um, that's a terrible – oh, that's that's an awful feeling, uh, not only because, you know, um, 
I and, and and we represent something. We represent the the rapid changes of a community and and, and the displacement of many many people. Um, as well, there's just it's very difficult to feel like this place is a home for anyone. It's not very intergenerational, so I don't see a lot of children. I don't see a lot of very old people. Um, you know, the city's not set up for people to get very far outside of, say, Northwest or North, uh, let's say, H Street at this point. Uh, so you 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 don't have many opportunities to to go out to the to the southeast or to southwest or other places, and so it's just it's not a place that's built for people to 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 really like live and take ownership over in the same way. So, what exactly do you miss about Chicago? Like, what is the ownership aspect that is just not here? There's a shared experience in Chicago that I think you know, regardless of if you're a D's and Dose guys from from the the far north side or from the south far south side, or if you're you know a hipster living in in uh, Logan Square or in uh, what used to be Wicker Park or Pilsen now, um, you know, there, there's, I, there feels like there's a unified experience there that everyone takes ownership over. There's, you know, there's certain experiences that people, um, that people glom to and there's certain histories that people acknowledge. And I don't know if I see those things as much here. Um, I, I think it's more difficult to to embrace local politics here because you know most of the people who were involved in those things twenty years ago are gone. Are you still following local politics for Chicago? Yeah, absolutely. Do you find that's weird? <laughs> you don't live there, but your family lives there, and you're there a lot. Yeah. Uh, what bothers you from the distance that you have now about Chicago politics? I know that's a very broad question, but there's got to be something going on right now. We're just like, oh, that's wrong. How, how does everyone not care about this? Um, well, you know, I think you're going to talk about the obvious, by the way. Yeah, I, I, the, the obvious is, you know, whatever is about to happen with uh, p- police brutality is at a is is the hot button issue at the moment. So you've got the possible cover up of the murder of uh, Laquan McDonald. You've got uh, the Ronald Johnson tape coming out earlier this week. You've got um the the tape of the the brother who got tased to death uh in a jail cell you've got you know all of these things and so heads are rolling so you just watch the IPRA uh chief resign you just watch the chief of detectives resign you just watch the chief of police resign and um it's you, I feel those things very, very intimately, not only because I was a kid who who did get stopped as a kid and taken to the wrong neighborhood and left there to walk home, or I do have friends who, who got beat up by the cops, or I do have friends who got disappeared for a few hours. All those things touch me very intimately, and, you know, those are things that I'd like to see changed. Additionally, I, I think that the city's in just really, really rough uh, financial shape, and I, I just want to... Um, I want to see like that pain spread out evenly amongst, you know, the, the entire city, as opposed to just starving off entire sections and hoping that people go to the new DePaul basketball stadium. Uh, we're both alumni. We should yeah. point that out. Yeah. Go uh, Blue Demons. Not proud alumni. Are you proud of being from DePaul? Cause I'm not, I'm not, not proud. I used to be not proud. Yes. Um, I think I'm somewhere in the middle right now, but are you glad you went there? Um, DePaul's a good middle-class finishing school. It's um, it will prepare you for 
for for a lot of experiences. I I don't know. I yeah. I I don't like. It's not something that I'd lead with just because I don't think anyone would care. But it's not something that I'm not, I'm not proud of. It was an ex. Uh, we had excellent facilities. I had great instructors. It was a an okay price. Um, it, Which is crazy to think about what it costs, and like that's an okay, pr- that's absurd. It's that's not an okay price, but comparatively, it totally is. That's messed up. Yeah, it, it was a good school. Like I, I, I can't say like terrible things about it. Um, you know, they have a strong inkling towards social justice. Um, Vincentian service is something that's uh, sure. Yeah, yeah, I'm not going to knock any of that. Yeah, it's it's now. It's, I just feel like a bad person for saying I'm not proud of it. <laughs> no, no, no. Maybe I'm just not proud of paying that student loan bill every month. Uh, well, um, <laughs> well, you never told me about getting uh, taken to the wrong neighborhood by cops. Yeah, it's a weird thing. It's how um, old were you? I don't know. Probably high school, college. Afternoon. Yeah, high schoolish. So, uh, like, when you're at one of your most vulnerable times as a person. Yeah, uh, you 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 mouth off to a cop, or you. Uh, in my situation, um, I was hanging out with some kids who I shouldn't have been hanging out with or who were you know, doing whatever kids do. But why shouldn't you have been hanging out with them? Like, you're, there's nothing inherently wrong with hanging out with other kids. Were they doing... They weren't doing anything terrible, but they, yeah. they were just... They were the kids that the cops knew were, were up to, you know, trouble sometimes. And, you know, uh, a cop drives you what is probably 20 minutes out of your way, but is, you know, in real life about a, an hour, an hour and a half walk or a however long walk. 20 they, minutes in Chicago could either be like two miles or like 10. And if based on an hour and a half walk, I'm going to go with like six, seven miles. Yeah. So way out of your way. And so now you're walking back across town and overall you're, you're fine, but it's a situation where you can now get yourself into some real trouble because whatever because some some jerk cop left you in the wrong neighborhood so that you can you can get trouble made for you and this is relatively common um yeah that happened a lot uh, not to me but to it's a thing that i heard about a lot well that's just horrible yeah have you heard about that kind of stuff in dc happening no i just don't again i i don't like you said there's no like teenagers really i mean there are teenagers they, they I shouldn't exist, say that. yeah but um the, but not DC, in the quadrant in which we live the dc that i live in is an uh, adult playground it is yeah. full of brunch and and uh holiday pop-up stores and <laughs> speaking of adult playgrounds you mentioned diy spaces and yeah. we were both big proponents of that in chicago and there's some some, some sort of like house music not house music but house culture here with shows and stuff but like you also said it's an adult playground and those those diy spaces here just don't exist in the same way what initially drew you to those in chicago and i think you could actually say their names now because they're probably all shut down (laughs) i was very closely involved with connect four in my days uh which eventually uh, morphed into multi-culti uh still very good friends with john boy and all those guys um uh, the buddy space was the space that got me into things. Uh, Heart of Gold, which I think still exists. I'm not quite sure. Uh, up in Lincoln Square. Um, there was Camp Gay, which was one of my favorites in, um, in Worker Park. There were just a ton of these spaces. And what was really cool about the spaces was you saw a bunch of brown, queer... Uh, survivalist, urbanist, you know, you saw a bunch of people from just a variety of different backgrounds sort of embracing each other and just being very creative all in one space. And it, there weren't any barriers to, barriers to entry. There were no barriers to leaving. You sort of came and went as you pleased. 
and you could give as much as you wanted or or take as much as you wanted and and it was all love there was always a dance party and um i i built this really great community back home with folk who are still like around and doing really amazing things you know uh eric labrad who runs glitter guts is a, a good friend of mine who you know uh, is documenting the scene now. Um, Hollywood Holt, who got signed to Kanye, like one of my earliest memories in the scene was him asking me to like uh, a dance battle, and I was like, I don't dance. Um, you know, you've got Floster Damas who came out of that scene. Like there are so many folk who came up, and you know. And we got to experience this very special moment in, in, in history all together, all for like no money or dirt cheap. We all have these really wacky adventures. And uh, in in the the very dangerous world that now as a 30-year-old, I'm like, oh, man, all of that was really crazy. Like <laughs> we sort of protected each other. Sure. Do you romanticize that because it was the time in your life or was it actually that good? It was a pretty amazing time. Um, you know, you could really write a book about those those times. Um, so, um, I, I I I I think that I do gloss over some of the the worst parts, which are having to walk back cross town because no cab would take me to to Austin, or uh, the seventy sevens ruining everybody's good times, or um, just being a really anxious like nineteen, twenty, twenty one year old. But um, over as on the whole, uh, that was a really special time in my life. But do you want to go back to that? Um, that wouldn't be the Chicago that I go back to. What is the Chicago you go back to? Because so I kind of feel like out of all of my friends, you're the one who's going to go back next. So that's that's a good question. Um, I, I think that I would have to rebuild my life somewhat uh, in going back to Chicago. I think that um, partially uh, growing a little bit older and partially... Um, just the the changes in, in in everyone else's lives I wouldn't be going back to the same place that I, I left when I was 26 when I was 26 I was living in the West Loop uh, with my then girlfriend and um, you know my life was something and now when I'd be going back I'd be in a completely different situation and so the the life I'd be going back to would be a, a very different space. Do you think leaving made you less cynical? I would say this. I, I think that I certainly undervalued the work that was happening in cities and states before I came to D.C. When I came to D.C., I saw how distant uh, the the work that people were doing here was from the work that was happening on the ground. Um, and as well, I saw just some some comical things or some comical inefficiencies here. Uh, where people are spending, you know, five times the budget of what you you'll have in Chicago or in Tulsa or in other places, uh, and doing a quarter of the work, and 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 I'm I'm a little bit stunned by it sometimes. Could you take any of that and use that lesson that you've learned, or is it just such? A, it's just a big observation. It's a big observation. I think that the I I don't think that I've become less cynical. I, I do think that I've just grown more appreciative of like just doing the right thing when when i came here i you know it, again it, it felt like uh, the comparison i always make is that politics and acting are very similar like i, I felt like i was sort of hitting the big time by by going to dc and going to dc like to to work for the the country's largest union um to work for you know for a great wage to do this really high profile job 
And then you go, oh, man, I just don't feel very connected to the reasons. I, I feel less connected to the reasons I got into this work in the first place. Mm-hmm. And it, it's very easy to get sucked into, you know, a conference schedule or it's very easy to get sucked into a um, to a round of brunches or into like these side things or to any number of things and to get very, very far away from from actually doing work. And the thing that I've grown to appreciate about Chicagoans and, and, and home is like how much work I'd actually got to do. You have a girlfriend. I do. You brought her to Chicago. Where did you take her? Oh, let's see. I took uh, I took Liz to Lao Tse Suan in uh, Chinatown. We had hot pot, and it was amazing. Uh, we went to the Chicago home of chicken and waffles. Uh, I also think I took her to Lou Malnati's. I wanted to take her to a... Because you had to legally? Yeah, well... <laughs> yeah, I, I wanted to take her to a neighborhood pizza place, but we uh, we were staying in Brownsville, and so it was just really difficult to get like to where I wanted to go to get pizza. Uh, but she really enjoyed that pizza. We um, we biked along the lake. We went to the cultural center uh, briefly. Um, yeah, we had a ball. What did she think? Um, she uh, she was there to speak for a conference, and she likes Chicago. She's very worried about the cold. Uh, my my goal this winter was to drag her out there at some point. I, I think I'm still working on it. Still working on it. The uh, cheapest flights are coming up, man. Yeah, we, we're talking about it. So, so her anniversary gift to me was an agreement to uh, move to Chicago if if we're uh, if that's going to happen. Um, and so there's just less pressure to to bring her out. Now I'm just like you're you're stuck. And so it's you're, so great. Yeah. Are you going to move back to Austin? Are you going to go back to the West Loop? What are you thinking? Um, so all things equal, the place that I would want to move if I move uh, if that happens is either historic Austin or um, or the near West Side. Those are somewhat different neighborhoods. Not especially, no. So if you look at um, if you look at historic Austin or Austin Village, as they call it in some places, if you cross Austin, now you're in Oak Park, mm-hmm. uh, and so it's this little nook that is filled with these impossibly gorgeous houses uh, that are Victorian style. They're massive, well lit, all these things, uh, and then you've got. Um, if you go a little bit further east, you're in the hood, uh, which is some good, some bad, and then it's whatever. If you move into the near west side or into East Garfield Park, it's the same situation. Where if you go slightly, um, slightly east, you're in the West Loop, where it's you know all sunshine and candy. Um, uh, that's 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 an overstatement, obviously. Um, and if you go slightly to uh, to the west, you're you're in uh, West Garfield Park, which is still a little bit rough. Okay. Yeah. But why? What's drawing you to those neighborhoods? Um, they're neighborhoods that have a uh, strong history behind them. The housing prices are pretty good. Uh, they've got great infrastructure, so they've got wide streets. They're close to public transit. Uh, they've got you know families and gardens and and they're they're a community. Yeah. Uh, you just really bummed me out because I was like, I want to see how much these houses cost. So I just uh, searched Redfin for Austin, yeah. specifically the historic Austin. Yeah. Uh, I could afford a three-bedroom house for uh, two-thirds of what I'm paying now for rent. I know. I know. Um, oh, so boy. That was the selling point for Liz. One-bedroom to three-bedroom, two-thirds of the price. Jesus. Sorry. Uh, no, but I, I told Liz um, if uh, she she's finishing her, her PhD and uh, she's got two years of writing to do, I said, look, for what I'm paying in D.C. for rent, I could move home and pay probably two-thirds of that and still come away with a pretty nice apartment or house. 
So if you if you come with me, I'll cover rent for the next couple of years while you you figure things out. You're a catch. Um, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> um, you're obviously going to go back for Christmas. Yeah, you're obviously going to see your family. Yeah. When when they talk to you about here, what do they think? Do they do they beg you to come back? Do they want you to stay? No, my uh, my parents are like. I don't know how to say this, but I, I think that uh, my mom sees a lot of um, my mom's very proud of me. I'm, I'm a mama's baby and um, I'm everything that she hoped that would, would happen. And so uh, she just wants to see me be happy and we're, regardless of whatever it is I do. So she my grandma doesn't know what, she, what I do. She thinks I'm an FBI agent for some reason. <laughs> well, do, what do you tell her? <laughs> no. Uh, so I, I think that the I, there's what I tell her and what I think she hears. And so when she talks to my mom, I presume all she hears is that I I was in Africa and then I was in Guatemala and then I was in San Francisco and then I was in this other place and then I was, and and I travel a lot. And so I don't talk with her nearly as much as I should. And I don't really like clue her in on what's actually happening because also like context wise, it's very difficult sometimes to explain like what I'm doing in a place. Mm -hmm. So in one place I went and I was talking about post-election reconciliation, which is, you know, what happens after you lose an election and how do you start building for the next election immediately? And, uh, um, you know, I was in Big Sur talking about the ethics of digital organizing and, and how do we like live our whole selves while, while still trying to save the world. Like these are things that are very, like very abstract to talk about with my 70 plus year old grandma. Like with, I think she's seventy seven at this point. So like, it, it's very difficult to then go to her and say, "Well, we're just talking about like feelings," and, <laughs> and, and so um, I, I think all she hears is that I, I'm doing these really awesome things and that um, she's really proud of me. And so like, my my family are all just um, they're all just really happy that I'm doing things that that are making me happy, and you know, they're they're behind me regardless of what I do. It's so nice. Yeah, it's it, so nice to hear. That's probably a good reason to want to go back as well to be around them. Um, yeah, my 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 younger brother is uh, fourteen now, and I want to like be a better big brother to him because I, you know, as with everybody, I don't talk with people as much as I should, um, and I want to be supportive of him as he starts his own journey and he figures out what he he wants to do and how he wants to do those things. Um, you know, I I'd love if. If potentially I'm going to have a family, if that that might potentially happen, um, I, I'd like to be closer to 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 my family as well. Um, yeah, I I think my my family doesn't really care what I, I do. They just you know my mom just really is over the moon to hear that I'm I'm living like a very full life. My my parents are very excited to hear I'm living a really full life and and that. That's so great. Does your job know you're looking for Chicago right now? <laughs> um not exactly no um so that that is one of the good things about um living in dc is that nobody expects you like no one would be mad to to know that you're looking for another job or that you're looking to to move in some way or you're looking to get more out of your job or ask for a promotion or anything like that if you're not pushing for those things you're not working really hard here so um at the moment the goal would be either to take my job with me for a short amount of time or to um or to figure it out. Good luck. We'll see what happens. Is there anything else that I think that I might have forgotten that you would like to talk about? Oh boy. Um I don't know. 
know. Um, yeah, I, I just think DC is such a, a strange, strange place. I, I don't know if I'd be having this sort of conversation if I'd moved to, say, Philly. Yeah. Or even if I'd moved to, say, New York, like where I, I think New York is very similar. I think uh, San Francisco is very similar. But DC is very just bizarre because it's such a company town. Um, and it's also a town that is sort of going through a just breakneck. Uh, transformation and so um it's it's very strange to be here i'm i'm grateful for the time that i've spent here so far i've learned a lot um i've made some pretty good friends uh it's not as bad as i i i constantly say but it's certainly uh it's certainly it's certainly a place that i i think i'll be uh very happy when i'm not here that's good to end with (laughs) I'd like to thank Harold for taking the time to talk with me on an early December evening. If you would like to follow us on social media, we're at UbiEstMiaPod on Twitter. Uh, friend us on Facebook, it's uh, UbiEstMia. Our theme songs are both by Daniel Knox. He's a fantastic musician out of Chicago. Go look him up, Daniel Knox. Our logo is by amazing artist Dmitry Samarov, also from Chicago please follow him if you'd like to follow me Brandon Weatherby on social media I'm on Twitter at sign YMTE and the other show that I do is called You Me Them Everybody go to youmeetthemeverybody.com for more information about that thanks for listening and have a wonderful night